Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From the Third Coast International Audio Festival and Chicago Public Radio, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is Resound. Did anybody see the cat last night with its tongue hanging out while it was getting washed in the sink by its owner? No. If that, program are you if that means anything to you, what channel was this? Send me a text saying that Chris, I'm with you to eight double number nine. What? What channel was I this? I think it was BBC Two. Right. Okay. When I was little, we had a kitten with white fur, so of course we named him. Polar Bear. Polar Bear was a pathetically lazy cat who purred like a jackhammer, draped himself around my neck like a stole, and urinated all over the house. When he died at the age of 16, I was crushed. My mother was motivated. She had all the wall-to-wall carpet pulled up the very next day. I love that cat like crazy, but perhaps not as much as the owners of a prize-winning cat I reported on years later. These owners bought their cat a Rolls-Royce, a diamond collar, and celebrated her birthday on a yacht. Just like choices in human companions, there is no way to explain the bond people have with their pets. It is what it is. Today on ReSound, dogs will be dogs and pigs will be exiled. Stay with us. In Texas, in the late 80s, there lived a pig. And not just any pig, either. This pig became somewhat of a celebrity for a variety of reasons I shall not divulge. Bob Garfield, co-host of NPR's On the Media, produced this story for NPR's All Things Considered way before the phrase driveway moment had been coined. And this story defined one. It's called Jerome the Pig, and it's produced by Bob Garfield. I have always loved the name Jerome. I mean, since I was eight years old, I just loved the name Jerome. And I always thought at that time, if I'm ever married and I have a son, you know, his name is going to be... This is the story of a pig and the woman who loves him. The pig's name is Jeffrey Jerome. The woman is Victoria Herberta. And for the umpteenth time this year, she's making the three-hour pickup truck ride between Houston and San Marcos, Texas, to visit her beloved hog. I'm the only mommy he knows, and he's like a son to me. I mean, he's like a child. So what I've been doing, I come to San Marcos, I stay 30 days at a time, I go back to Houston for four or five days, which he will not eat during the time I'm gone. This has been going on for a year, ever since last October 31st, when Jerome, all 700 pounds of him, was exiled from the city of Houston, the charge being a pig. Section 6-11 of the city code, the keeping of swine and goats, which are prohibited, with the exception of milk goats. That's the, that's the particular ordinance, and it uh, just says where you can have these kinds of animals and where you can't. 
That's Dr. Robert Armstrong, chief of animal regulation in Houston, a man who, in Victoria Herberta's view, falls somewhere between Simon Legree and Oscar Meyer. It was he who, upon learning that Ms. Herberta was keeping a pig within city limits, enforced the century-old law. But what began as a routine pig eviction has come to be a Texas cause celeb. Dr. Armstrong didn't realize that Ms. Herberta is not your typical 50-year-old pig-owning house painter, and he didn't know Jerome is not your ordinary pig. No, he's no ordinary pig. You know, he's, uh, he's got very good heritage, being the son of Priscilla. He's done a lot of good work. I mean, I took this animal, and, and I've done good with this animal. She's done well with all of her pigs. Jerome's mama, Priscilla the Swimming Pig, became internationally famous after saving the life of a drowning retarded boy at nearby Lake Somerville. This was in 1984, a hot July day, when an ordinary outing with 12 people and a swimming pig would change Victoria Herberta's life. Press interviews, talk show appearances, even a Priscilla the Pig Day in Houston. It was really something. I, I wasn't expecting it because all I wanted was a pig uh, to have as a pet and to raise as a pet and live in obscurity, you know, and just enjoy my pig. That's all she ever wanted, but the universe wouldn't cooperate. Six months after Priscilla's water heroics, Herberta's pride and joy overdosed on backyard morning glories and was retired to the farm in a porcine stupor. This left Herberta temporarily pigless until two pigs later, Jerome came into the picture. He lived with her from July 87 to last fall, a period through which Herberta devoted her mother love to Jerome and her leftover human compassion to the area's homeless. Most of her meager house painting income went to feed needy men and women. Her purple frame house, the one with the antique signs and the gigantic hog on the porch, was a conspicuous oasis for the down and out. Whether the procession of hungry visitors angered neighbors, Herberta doesn't know. But somebody complained to the city, and all of a sudden she was being cited for an illicit pig. They had to admit that he was totally clean, his quarters were clean, he had absolutely no odor, and I took them around the yard, and there was no excrement or no urine in the yard. Didn't matter. Jerome was still a pig, swine non grata. Roberta engaged a lawyer, but that was no help. Dr. Armstrong's department was burdened by the tragic and overwhelming daily duty of putting down stray animals and protecting the health of an irresponsible public. In that unpleasant context, the problems of a woman and her pet pig seemed trivial. Armstrong's only concession was to let Jerome remain at home for one last hurrah, a charity fling, a Halloween party for the homeless. Then it was to the farm. Now that may seem like a fitting venue for a pig, but that presupposes the pig is a pig at heart. Jerome, terrific, radiant Jerome, is some pig, Herberta says, by virtue of being not very pig-like at all. He's humanized. All he knows is human companionship. He is totally afraid of other pigs. He will never, ever adjust to being a farm animal. I mean, he sees another pig, even his own mother, and he screams and he runs and hides. He's terrified. Not that the farm is inhospitable. Owner Ada Davis, who trains all the diving pigs for the nearby Ocarina Springs tourist attraction, has made her home Victoria and Jerome's home. When Herberta stays on the farm, Jerome does fine. But when she leaves, he goes, well, he goes hog wild, crying, squealing, laying in ant beds, starving himself. And it tears his owner up inside. After a year of living with her pig, three weeks out of four in a 14 by 14 pump house, a tiny farm outbuilding without toilet or kitchen facilities, nor even hot water, Herberta can no longer bring herself to leave, 
and no longer afford to stay. There's no work for a 50-year-old house painter in rural San Marcos. Unless the city of Houston relents, she says, she'll have to put Jerome to sleep, if she can bear the agony of doing it. I don't really know. I don't want to live without it. And I don't think he deserves that. I just don't think he deserves that. Nor is she alone in that sentiment. Jerome's fate has become the focus of a campaign by concerned Houstonians, an eclectic assortment of citizens led by an unlikely advocate. She is Carolyn Farb, the city's highest profile socialite. She of the Christmas Food Basket Program and the Cancer Challenge Telethon, of the notorious $20 million divorce settlement and the 2,000 square foot bedroom closet. Can it be that Carolyn Farb, owner of the sprawling River Oaks mansion called Carolina, is now Houston's foremost champion of wronged hogs? Well, I'm not interested in all pigs. I'm interested in this specific pig because he has uh, done a lot of good and he is truly a ambassador. The effort has involved a Save Jerome billboard, a letter writing campaign, and even a specially recorded song called The Ballad of Jerome. This is the ballad of Jeffrey Jerome. He feeds the people without any home. Collects the food all in cans and takes them to his homeless Unfortunately for Farb and her volunteers, the campaign has been a bust. Attempts to pass special legislation have failed in city council and the Texas State House on the principle that legislative exemptions for specific barnyard animals constitute bad government. As for Dr. Armstrong, the law is explicit, and because it all began with a citizen complaint, unavoidable. Either say it is a pig or it isn't. It is in the city or it isn't. That's how you enforce ordinances. But that sways Victoria Herberta not one whit. You tell me rules are rules, I will tell you that rules are made to be revised and amended. Look at the amendments to the U.S. Constitution. And also we've heard that there is an exception to every rule. And I am sure that the mayor and the city council, every member of city council at one time or another in their life has had a rule bent for them. At last the drive is over. Another separation ended, another happy reunion. I have to watch the rocks in the mud. I see you. Yes, I do. How's my little pumpkin, huh? There's nothing quite like How's the feelings Mr. between Sweeney? a pet owner and Are a pet, even if the pet is a snorting third of a yes, ton of highly boy. saturated fat. Look at my pretty boy. Look at mama's boy. Hey. Hey. Sitting in the old pump house, Roberta pulls out snapshots of Jerome the way some people show off their grandchildren. Okay, this is uh, Jerome when he was 10 days old, just a little old bitty handful. <laughs> okay, and here he is when he was about three months old and I was teaching him to pray. He knows how to pray. And here's his Halloween party. Here he was dressed like the vamp pig in his cape and orange feather tutu. And this is where we had over 1,000 people show up. This is his birthday cake, shaped in a pig face. The inside is dog food, and the outside is cream cheese. <laughs> what will and become of Herberta and Jerome is still uncertain, is, uh, but something has to give. She's sold virtually everything she owns to sustain herself this past year. Her only asset is her house, against which the city has placed tax liens. With no solution in sight, for now she's just a lady with a pig, enjoying whatever time the two have left together. 
gonna get a treat. Yeah, instead of a treat, but you're gonna get a treat. Come on. I'm Bob Garfield. You want a smack? Huh? Mm -hmm. That good? That's a brand muffin. Yeah. Yeah, mom give you a treat. Say, oh, I like that. Jerome the Pig, produced by Bob Garfield for All Things Considered in 1988. Every once in a while, it's fun to go back into the archives and pull out something you'd never otherwise get to hear. Jerome the Pig is a perfect example. Bob Garfield sent it to us on a cassette tape with a wrinkled, yellowing label and an NPR logo that looks like it predates the Reagan administration. And I mean the first one. If it weren't for ReSound, even the best audio work would have an extremely short life. We try and give all that great audio a stay of execution. If you have anything to say about Jerome or any of the work you hear, email us. Send us your comments, your questions, your tales of stupid pet tricks to resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Gwen Maxi. You're listening to ReSound. Usually, when Australian producer Lee Redfern makes radio, she likes to keep herself out of it. But when two puppies came into her life, she decided that this was the place to tell her story. Part biography, part social commentary. When the dog was just the dog, roams freely, sort of like a dog unleashed, wandering between people, places, and other canines. When the dog was just the dog, by Lee Redfern. romantic year of marriage. My partner was away in the country when he rang with the words I'd been longing to hear. Guess what, I'm bringing, I'm bringing, home, bringing, a, home, bringing home a puppy. Overjoyed, I whispered back, bring two.
If I'm honest, things weren't quite right between us. It was hard to pinpoint exactly what the problem was, but it was nothing, he said, that couldn't be overcome by having a baby. I just wasn't sure I was ready. I guess I hadn't emphasised how deeply the preference for dogs over children ran with the women in our family. I'd grown up hearing that when my maternal grandfather told Grandma it was about time they heard the patter of little feet, she'd replied, So let's get a dog? We were walking home from a, an incident in the park and the incident involved a larger dog, a German short-haired pointer, and a smaller dog, a Pomeranian. And Emma, the German short-haired pointer, ran round and round and round the Pomeranian, uh, sort of harassing her, I guess, in, in dog terms. And the Pomeranian's owner got uh, hysterical and upset the little dog even more. The Pomeranian's owner took the Pomeranian to the vet and the dog was in overnight, so it ran up a fairly large bill and the owner of the German Shorthead Pointer agreed to pay that bill. I couldn't whistle before I had a dog and now I can. And it was a huge ongoing saga over a couple of weeks and we were walking home and a friend said to me after one of the updates, remember when the family dog was just the family dog who followed kids around. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, I do remember that because I was one of those kids and uh, all of my friends had dogs and we used to just wander around the train line and the mud pit down the back of the colliery and all of that sort of stuff. And I thought, you don't really see that so much anymore because the patterns of regulating children uh, have changed a lot and also of regulating dogs and the interaction between those groups as well. My first dog, George, a Kelpie Cross, started hanging around home just after my father popped out for a packet of cigarettes and forgot to come home. I was in preschool then, attending Auntie's Elders Children's Centre two days a week, jealous of the little boy down the road who got to go five days a week because his mother worked full time. George was named by my brother and his best friend from across the road. With the unreflective chauvinism of six-year-old boys, they were horrified to find that a dog of such obvious intelligence and sang Freud could be a girl. And 
As a solitary younger sister, without a best friend across the road, I was delighted to discover the same thing. My mother tried, against genetics and sentiment, to be resolute and refuse the dog. She couldn't afford an indefinitely absent alcoholic husband and a pet. But with a retrospective nod to the Seeker's song, George became Georgie Girl and just moved in. She chose us. He's a very good-looking dog. Does he have fun? He gets a lot of attention. He gets a lot of attention from women, a lot of attention from women. I'm walking down the street, and I get girls coming up to him all the time and saying, can I pet your dog? Hey, it happens all the time. He gets a lot of attention. Is this part of the reason for having this dog? What, so I can pick up women? Mm. Oh, you think I need my dog to pick up women for me? Come on. What? I'm not saying that. You're <laughs> no, the one no, who started no, this no, line no, of conversation. No, no, no. I, I was just saying that Evie gets a lot of attention from people in general, but uh, <laughs> maybe I think you women come up to him so they can get to me, you see. Yeah, oh, they use so... him as an excuse, I think. My brother got fined $150 for having his dog on a Gold Coast beach at 6 o'clock in the morning. I was also asked by rangers in my local park, where dogs aren't allowed, uh, to keep the dog out of the park. That was at 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning as well, no one around, and I'd pick up all the dog poo and all of that, do all the right things, and my dogs uh, don't attack people. We also went on a holiday on the central coast and... We, it was rainy and windy and we had a puppy and we needed the puppy to get out and have some exercise because driving is mad. We couldn't find a park by just driving around that didn't have a dog with a red line through it. <laughs> so all of these things started me thinking about the changes that have happened in what dogs and cats mean to us and how we, we now regulate them. I was supposed to go to the States for six months and that's the reason why I came back for him. That's true, I'm not lying. I've been, I, I, well, I was dreaming about him nearly every night. I'd wake up and have dreams about him. Yeah. So you missed him I'm very, I did because uh, three years ago I had a really bad accident and I was hospitalised for a long time and uh, when I came home I was still lying in bed because I had a broken back and the more my legs were broken and he laid beside me the whole time. My girlfriend left, she walked out on me. And he stayed there. He was there. He was there for me. That's why I guess I'm so attached to him. I love him. Yeah, I love him more than anything in the world. Yeah, I love him very much. I do. What's his name? Tommy. My partner was travelling a lot with work. So besides kick-starting my maternal instinct, he had another reason for wanting a dog. He worried about me. A woman... Alone, in a street where all the neighbours have bars on the windows. A dog was a kind of furry home alarm alternative. It is, I mean, it is interesting to think about the response to threats to personal safety and, and home safety is to get a large protective type dog like a Rottweiler or Bull Mastiff. But to, to take on a dog 
as a kind of protective device is really a bit of a worry because a lot of places where I go walking around my suburb, these big Rottweilers hurl themselves at the gate and I never see them going for a walk. I never see them in the park. Uh, and part of probably why they're hurling themselves so hard at the gate is because they're as bored as they can be and they need something to do. But they're so big and potentially so potentially so destructive that a lot of people don't walk them because they can't handle them. Rory, sit please. Come on, be a good girl. Come on. Lucas, I know you hate these things. Recommended security devices they may be, but the puppies quickly demand something back. They're just so cute. It's love for both of us. For me, it's love before first sight. After all, they're my favourite breed of dog. Almost Kelpie. Like many owners I talk to, I'm loyal to the breed I had as a child. Rory and Jack, a girl and a boy. Black coats, white bibs and autonomous tan eyebrows, like Millhouse on The Simpsons. People nickname them the twins, but I never have trouble telling them apart. Rory is smaller, smarter and naughtier. Rory, come She was born first and chosen Rory. first and from the beginning, she's the top dog. She's fearless and faster than her younger brother, Jack. They're both hugely energetic and finding places for them to play becomes a major preoccupation. Have you got the ball? Yeah. Oh, no, no, I haven't. If we accept people can have dogs, and there's certainly no talk that there's going to be a ban on them, although some people would certainly like that, I think, if we accept that people can have dogs, then we do have to provide adequate places for them to be exercised and sensible ways in which they can interact with people. There was a, a bit of a discussion in one of the Hansards around the Companion Animal Bill about how the dogs are going to be banned from all the places where kids go. Beaches, parks, any sort of open space. Wherever kids are running free, technically dogs aren't allowed to. My dad came back three years later, without the cigarettes, but with a beard. That beard really threw me. I answered the door and didn't recognise him, ran and hid. Dad was offended. Obviously it hadn't occurred to him that the odd visit would have helped with the whole recognition thing. And I was so embarrassed and confused that I burst into tears. It was a bad start and things never really got better. Having Dad at home consolidated my relationship with the dog. Georgie slept on my bed, refused point-blank to wear a lead, roamed the streets unhindered, and best of all, she ate my steak and kidney pie when everyone else had left the table and I'd been told to eat up because there are children starving in China. And I think, unfortunately, that dogs have been demonised uh, recently and the tabloid media puts those terrible dog attacks 
on the TV and, and the front of the newspapers and, and things like that. And there are dogs that, that do attack people, and I certainly wouldn't deny that, but 99% of them don't, and I know mine don't. I mean, one's a, a whippet cross that's afraid when we drop a knife near her, she nearly has a heart attack. So I know that they don't hurt people. And they shouldn't have to be regulated in a way that presumes that they will hurt people. And then, of course, there's always the response, though, that they could, they could hurt somebody. And, well, yes, you know, I could dong someone over the head, but it's fairly unlikely that I will. And whilst my dog is under my control in a safe environment, it's very unlikely that either of them will. So... The kind of hysteria that's been beaten up over the past few years about dangerous dogs is eroding any kind of uh, community or, or public response. It's unfortunate that these kinds of things get beaten up and sort of poison people, poison people's common sense. How's that? Say Good boy. Good boy? No, no talking. That is good boy? Your daddy's little man? No kisses? No. Alright, come on. Kiss me. Kiss me. Give your dog a bone. A practical, common sense, common way, sense to way to feed dogs. dogs. Dog man. Dog An man. expert explains dog sense. How, How to be, be your dog's, dog's best, friend. best friend. Don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot the dog. Don't shoot the dog. Complete book of great working dog stories. Feng Shui for dogs. There's a baby in the house. There's a baby in the house. Preparing your dog for the arrival of your child. Come on, Samson. Samson, come here. Good boy. From the moment these two squirmy creatures enter our home, we're sucked in. I just love that puppy smell. And like all good, aspiring parents, we immediately consider their education. We go on a crash course in dog psychology, read everything we can lay our hands on. And because I worry that differences in puppy parenting styles might lead to clashes, I suggest we enrol in a puppy preschool. Yeah, I bet you it's full of couples with their dogs. He was right. Puppy school is full of couples. Oh, what is my actual title? Well, my name, Maria Cunningham. There is no official title for dog trainers. Most people tend to use something along the lines of uh, dog behaviour instructor. And just as I suspected, puppy school is largely about training people to understand their dogs. If your dog's confused about where he is in the pecking order, then that changes the whole way that he interacts with you. So, for example, simple things like your dog not coming when he's called. If he thinks he's higher ranking than you, why should he come when he's called anyway? And can even really little dogs think they're the top of the pack? Oh, absolutely. Quite often more so than big dogs. Uh, one of the big problems with little dogs is they don't need legs. They're carried everywhere. And when you're carried everywhere, it's pretty hard not to believe that you're leader of the pack. So you can have a lot of problems with the little ones. I remember people used to make a lot of jokes about um, pooper scoopers when they first came out and how if aliens came to Earth and they saw this dog walking around and this person walking around behind it picking up its poo, that they would definitely think that the dog was in charge. But it sounds like we're already giving our dogs that message in a whole lot of other ways too. Well, I was about to say, aren't they? <laughs> Roy! Roy, come! Roy! Come on, Roy! Come! 
Like having children or joining the local chapter of Narcotics Anonymous, dog ownership opens doors into previously unnoticed parallel existences in your own neighbourhood. So you're a dog walker too? Walking the dogs one weekday, I discover a breed I've never met before, the professional dog walker. The woman who I bought it off used to walk my dog um, three times a week and it seemed a great opportunity to own your own business and do something that you like doing. So, yeah, took it over in July. So before you um, took over the business, you were having your dog walked. Uh Why were you having your dog walked? Isn't that the best part of having the dog? Yeah, Sam was a um, Sam is a Maltese Shih Tzu cross, so a lot of energy. And even though he's a little dog, he had big personality. And there was a house full of three women, but we all worked extremely long hours. Um, and we'd get home at night and take him to the park and walk him for an hour or so at night. But I don't know. I just think it's really important for your dog to socialise with other dogs. Therefore, when you get taken out in public, it's fine. You know, it's more relaxed. It's not going to bark or scream at anything. You can get a dog that's really shy or aggressive when they're at home, but then take them to a park with six, seven other dogs and meet other dogs in the park. Then they get used to other smells and other dogs so that when you're walking down the street, it's not such a dangerous thing, so to speak, you know? I mean, and all my dogs get on fabulously. Do you enjoy it? I love it. Would you go back to what you were doing or are you going to stay dog walking for a while? No, I was in financial controlling before and spent majority of time in an office looking at a computer screen. Um, yeah, it's not the most challenging of work. Hey, 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 Ruby! Jack! Jack! Ruby! Jack! Oh, Ruby, sorry, Ruby. Shush, shush. Oh, Jack. Uh, uh, Jack, it's ball give. envy, that's give. all it is. Yeah, I know. And that's see, all he ever gets in fights about is trying see, to steal somebody else's ball. It gets all growly and snarly, but the majority of the time i found since we're doing this business, it's 95% just noise and saliva. They never really make contact. And if they do, it's by accident, like a tooth goes through an ear or whatever, but it's just never as aggressive as what it sounds like. I like the idea of a quick growl or a bark, or if someone's really pushing it, a nip and conflict forgotten. No grudge bearing. Hell, I like the idea of putting your paws in the air in surrender when it doesn't seem worth the fight. As long as that's respected. Jazz! Jazz! Jazz, my girl! Oh, I think Jazz. Go on, mate. Yes. She doesn't like socialising with the plebs. Okay. There's 1,099. Yeah, 1,000 at 1,100. Look, there's lots. This is radio. There can be as many as you like. That's right. I'm Brian, and this is Rosalie. How are you? Hi. And we're the co-conveners of Dogs Camp who run this protest movement, which is a protest movement against council wanting to remove dogs from the park. And it's also a celebratory movement because we're celebrating the fact that council said, yes, you can keep your dogs in the park like you have done for the last 30 years. How have you found non-dog people respond to dogs in this park? Oh, great. In Newtown, it's a real community thing. A lot of people find the dogs give them security and safety at night. Um, A lot of women can walk through the park at night and say they feel secure because there's people walking the dogs. Many of our strongest supporters, in fact, have been people who don't have dogs but who live near the park and they say they feel safe only because of the dogs in the park and the owners walking through at night time. Where did the idea for a citizenship ceremony in the park come from? Um, Basically because it's Australia Day and because the dogs have got rights to the park and we thought, well, you know, let's just have a party. 
as you do in Australia. So. Now we've got our two dogs, Rory and Jack, becoming citizens today. So, <laughs> what will it mean for them? Oh well, they're uh, citizens of the park, so they have rights and uh, duties and obligations as a citizen of the park. Uh, they've got to be upstanding and make sure their owners pick up their poo after them and be jolly decent and uh, not cause too much trouble with other dogs. And uh, after that, they have their rights to the park. That sounds wonderful. It sounds like there's a lot of rights for the dogs and a bit of responsibility for the owners there. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> that's, that's the joys of having a dog, isn't it? <laughs> it also means the government can't stick them in Woomera, doesn't it? I know. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> Risk is a, is a huge factor now. The, we live in basically an incredibly safe country. We're incredibly healthy compared to lots of places in the world and compared to, say, what we were 100 years ago, uh, despite our sedentary lifestyles. And we're not in any imminent danger from being invaded. There's very little that we face in terms of serious risks but we have this mentality of a kind of imminent danger about all sorts of things like dog attacks, like criminal acts and things like pedophilia. And they're the kinds of things that have started us to restrain children from going out and playing and from dogs interacting with kids. Red dog. River dog. Black dog. Dog Stray dog. Space dog. Doggy dare. Hair of the dog. Living with dogs. Dog. Dog. Dogs. Being a dog is a full-time job. The Philosopher's Dog by Raymond Gay. The difficulty of being a dog. Helen Hope's Star Dogs. Astrology, Astrology for dogs. Astrology for dogs. Dogs. Just occasionally, when I'm sitting relaxing on the couch, little Rory looks at me and barks. I wonder what the hell she wants. I ask Maria, the dog trainer, and she suggests I look at my leadership skills. Dogs. 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 Georgie almost certainly regarded herself as pack leader and us as a bunch of subordinates who needed looking after. Luckily for me, she was a benevolent leader. Obviously, Georgie was a Scorpio. Later, when Dad brought home a boarder to stay and help pay the rent and the boarder started visiting my room at night, George was the only one in the family I could say definitely knew what was going on. And although she couldn't protect me, it somehow helped that she was always with me. that sometimes, even when Jack rolls on his back and puts his paws up, universal dog language for I don't want to fight, some dogs, the badly socialised ones, keep having a go and we have to break it up. Who was that dog? Never seems to happen to his sister, though. So can I ask why he's not dissexed? I'm totally against it. I would not do that. I've had many people say, I think you should do it. I think it's very wrong. He's born with, you know, his uh, 
whatever you want to call them, balls. And that's just his manhood. I'm not taking that away from him, you know. I wouldn't like it if someone took that away from me. There's, I, there's no way that I would do that to him, no way. This would have been in the late 70s and into the 80s. Didn't even occur to us to pick up the dog poo, not even vaguely. And in 1981, there was an amendment, series of amendments to the Dog Act, and one of them was the Poo Amendment that made it illegal to leave one's dog's poo lying about. We didn't know about that. We didn't know we were actually breaking the law twice a day, probably. And... When I got a dog about four years ago, I just picked up dog poo and I didn't know the companion animal bill was under discussion in those days, but I didn't know about it. I hadn't heard about it. It was just something that I started to do. So I pick it up because it's become a social norm. I pick it up as a, as a response to a sort of feeling that there's an anti-dog sentiment out there. I pick it up because it is a nuisance, uh, stepping in it. But balanced against that is this new concern with the environment that wouldn't have been around in the 60s, I, I wouldn't think. And what do I pick it up in? Do I pick it up in a recycled paper bag? No, I pick it up in a plastic bag. It's extremely disproportionate. And we're pumping a huge amount of plastic into the environment as a response to this sort of sense of risk that dog poo poses to us. Georgie was part of the family, for longer than either my dad or the border. Mum finally kicked Dad out and the border drifted away as I hit puberty. Georgie and I enjoyed, literally, the run of the neighbourhood into my teenage years. Given the situation at home, I was never really concerned about the stranger danger thing. And besides... If George was there, I felt safe. But then it became the 80s and things changed for dogs and kids. We moved in with Mum's boyfriend in a house next door to a block of flats. When Mum mentioned that the neighbours were complaining about George getting into their garbage, I didn't put enough thought into it to say we dismissed the idea. It just wasn't her thing. And besides, the neighbours really should put their garbage in bins instead of just flimsy plastic bags. One day, without warning, George was dead. Baited, the vet said. I cried and raged and I considered knocking on each and every door of that vast block of flats and asking if they were the murderer, if they had any idea what she might have meant to me. I was still enough of a kid to think it might make a difference to someone who would poison a dog. Mum's been looking after him. She cooks him special homemade Lebanese food. She cooks him up like steaks and chicken and oh yeah, he's very well looked after. 
He doesn't eat dog food. I don't think it's healthy for dogs, yeah. I, I like to feed him good, healthy food. So, yeah, he eats Italian, Lebanese. And... Drop. Good girl. Drop, Jack. Jack. Drop. Drop. Come on, you know what it means. Come on. Jack and Rory, by the way, okay. are Geminis. Even drop. as Jack grows faster, girl. Rory remains in charge. Okay. She eats first, wrestles him to the ground when she feels like it, and is the first at puppy school to learn to drop and roll over on command. She's smart and loyal and pushy. Sometimes she tries to stop Jack eating at all. It turns out that height's a signifier of status in the dog world and she starts jumping on the couch. We persistently, or should I say doggedly, push her off. Ah, hey, come here, please. Sit. Jack's definitely more timid. If voices are raised, he runs from the room, visibly distressed. When I tell women that Rory, the little girl, is the boss, they're never surprised. Men sometimes are. What I hadn't expected is my preference. I find Jack's sookiness more appealing than Rory's pushiness. And I feel guilty about it. Am I repeating the patterns of my family with my dogs? Would I do the same thing with kids? Talk, Jack. <laughs> Talk. Talk. Good boy. Talk. Talk. In any case, the puppies begin to work the hoped-for magic on our relationship and provide an outlet for any sublimated maternal or paternal instinct. Come on, guys, eat up. There's starving puppies in China. Oh, my God, where did that come from? My dogless colleagues are horrified when I mention we've started visiting Cafe Bones, a cafe where you can go and have a coffee while your dog has a puppuccino and plays with others off-leash. Dog owners who've been there tend to feel that it's a place you can go with your dog and have a coffee and not feel like a criminal. And in defence of dog parks everywhere... I notice that while the dogs are being socialised, so too are the humans. Other dog owners are the first to tell you to pick up the dog poo. This is the dog owners that you're talking about. These are the responsibilised ones. These are the ones that have become self-regulators and they want to share their self-regulatory experiences with others. And I too am one of these people and I veer towards the fascist end of well, self-regulation and regulation of others and if I see someone that doesn't pick up their dog poo I have this little internal discussion about what should I do about it should I intervene and tell them that they can be fined $220 if they don't pick it up and also bring us all into all of us responsible dog owners into disrepute and most of the time I do intervene because uh, I'm that kind of person I guess and uh, I'm trying to save the good name of pets everywhere and it's not the government via rangers coming around and telling you, you pick that up or you'll be fined. It, it's becoming an internalised uh, process. There's the question of, if I'm out at night, do I need to pick them up? If the dog does it slightly off the track in long grass, the moral dilemma, do I pick it up? Can I get away with it if it's slightly off the track? See, people that don't own dogs think we have it really easy, but we have all of these dilemmas, this constant process of questioning who we are. Are we a poo lever 
or a poo collector. And that has huge ramifications for our sense of self and our sense of belonging in the wider community and in the environment. It's, it's hard work being a dog owner and it's not easy, not easy at all. I pack plastic bags and leads every time I step out the door with Rory and Jack and I wonder if dog owners have become the new smokers. We end up hanging out in designated areas where we indulge our passions and swap tips. We'll be walking past other dog owners and prompted by the sight of Kelpies, a breed well known for their love of running and swimming. With a nod, they'll suggest other parks we might like to visit. And we in turn pass on the information to other people we wouldn't know from Fido. And aside from groups like Dogs Camp, collectively lobbying for dog rights, there are individuals working online to further the cause. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? Schultz the dog has his own website and two families who share looking after him. Shut up. Hi, Schultz. He came into our lives at the Christmas of 1994 and it was just after that that we signed up with Aussie Mail, who actually hosts Schultz's site. And my husband was doing it and he was typing in what he thought was a password. And he looked down at the little puppy chewing his sneaker and he typed crocomut, enter. My God, that was the email address. So we've been crocomut at aussiemail.com.au ever since. We were going to change it and we thought, no, no, I'd like to do a website. Don't know what subject. It's easy to do one from his point of view. It's a, it's a good way to start. And I decided to do it in the first person. And it was only going to be a little website. And then it got utterly and completely way out of hand. <laughs> it's a quite a big site now. And the reason why it got so out of hand is because... With a dog that loves swimming, it's so hard to find places to take a dog swimming, legally. And as I began to search all the council's sites and and write to them and try and find out where I could take a dog swimming, realised I had to go quite far afield, Uh, I just started uh, doing all of them, comparing all the councils, putting down where all their off-leash areas are... Schultz is another member of the family. That's what it is. I mean, you have to consider him, whatever you're doing, how's he going to fit in? Is he going to come with you on holidays, going out for dinner? Okay, well, he'll have to stay at home. Or can he be dog-sat? Sometimes he's been dog-sat. Especially handy when you've got two packs or two houses to to be able to dog-sit. And I thought we were actually quite unusual, dog-sharing. But turns out I knew... A number of people who had time-shared dogs. As soon as they hear that that's what you were doing, they were coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> I think unconditional love. He just, he's just there, and if you need a hug, he'll give you one, and that's really, really good. That's lovely. If I could uh, add something there. Um, there were originally five of us that were human pack members. My brother lived with my husband and I. We, we co-owned a house, which is sometimes the only way to get into the market in Sydney. My brother actually died of leukaemia in 1998, which is partly why the site got so obsessive. It was what I channelled myself into while I was dealing with my grief. But because my husband's a shift worker, sometimes in the middle of the night when the, I felt really grief-stricken, Schultz was the, literally the only one around. 
and yeah, he's he's had his coat absolutely drenched in tears, and been able to give him a huge bear hug because he's you know he's so big you can squeeze him and he doesn't even react. That's what he's really given me, and that's why he's got a home for the rest of his life, much loved. Maybe I should say that Schultz has just very, at this very moment put his head on the interviewer's leg, all curled up there. And he's completely uh, unfazed. And I'm holding my baby and everything's fine. He's a happy dog. Yeah, it makes me wonder sometimes whether they kind of choose you. I don't know. Yeah, I can think that. And, um, I mean, after my brother died too, I often wondered whether it was predetermined that he came into my life. And I don't know, you know, what you think about that sort of thing, but I wondered... So what if the legislation now requires me to register my dog, microchip my dog, pick up my dog's poos, stop my dog from being a nuisance or a dangerous animal? We can say so what and it makes sense because of our changing ways of thinking about what it means to be a citizen here and now there is no drama with saying you accept personal responsibility you accept personal responsibility for being a long-term unemployed there are jobs out there how often do we hear that from uh, especially current members of the federal government you be responsible for looking after your own security. You put bars on your window, you get insurance, you don't walk down you know, dark streets at night. You ensure that your dog doesn't yap and annoy the neighbours. You do all of those sorts of things. And it takes away, I think, a, a sense of interconnectedness that we do all occupy both an individual and collective kind of space... And it makes it so much easier for us and governments to penalise people who are least able to fight back, which is often the case about everything, really. In the middle of the night... I wake and walk into the lounge. Jack is lying on the couch. His paws are in the air in supplication and his tail wags, slowly, rhythmically, apologetically. I defy anyone to push him off there. He looks beautiful, doesn't he? He loves Through Rory and Jack, I finally understand how my brother, who hated confrontation, always seemed to get away with more than me growing up. When I was growing up, I had Blackie, who was, funnily enough, a black dog of no distinguishable breed. And this academic pointed out that we don't call dogs Spot, Rover, Blackie, Scruffy very much anymore. We call them human names. And that's part of the anthropomorphism of pets. Come on, come on, Chloe, quick. Good girl. There's the whole range of medical specialists. I just took mine to a dog dermatologist, pet dermatologist. Good girl. And I guess perhaps more interestingly are the range of behavioural 
specialists that dogs can now come into contact with. There are kennels where dogs do residential Maoist retraining schools. There are organisations that come to your house and see the dog in situ to analyse their behavioural problems. They're also to make the dogs and cats more like us, to take away those rough doggy and kitty edges so that they're more like little kids. And perhaps therefore hence the name of, you know, Geoffrey is a boxer down the road. Come on, Jack, get up. Jack is a popular dog's name. I think that was the top dog name last year. But maybe it's as people are having less children, the dogs become the surrogate children. Well, let's face it, dogs don't grow up to be teenagers and tell you you've been a bad parent. Do they now? Good boy. Sit. Boy, Sit. Sit. Along the way, I sought out the leadership skills, mainly through the puppies growing up. Jack and Rory are now very well behaved, a credit to their training, and, we like to think, our role as pack leaders. Every now and then, when I'm sitting on the couch, Rory still looks at me and barks, but silently. Fortunately for us both, the concept of the silent bark cracks me up. So I guess as long as she keeps me laughing, she'll get away with it. In fact, she's developed quite a sense of humour and her pushiness has evolved into generous demonstrations of affection. Hello. Hello. Thank goodness. I love them both equally. Who knows? Maybe I could do the kids thing. While no animals were physically harmed in the recording of this radio feature, it is possible that Jack suffered some psychological trauma as a result of being made to cry. He's currently seeing a dog therapist. When the Dog Was Just the Dog, by Lee Redfern, engineered by Russell Stapleton. Well, the kid thing didn't work out for Lee, as she's since gotten divorced. Jack and Rory now live on a farm eight hours away, but she wanted to be sure and point out that happily, she still has visitation rights. You can read an interview with Lee on our website at thirdcoastfestival.org. I'm Gwen Maxi. You're listening to ReSound.
Sound is a production of Chicago Public Radio and the Third Coast International Audio Festival. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Roman Mars and curated by Johanna Zorn and Julie Shapiro of the Third Coast Festival. You can hear today's program at thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear dozens of outstanding documentaries from around the world. Generous support for the Third Coast Festival is provided by the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Music for ReSound is provided by Reckless Records in Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. ReSound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else, unless you live everywhere else. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.